0: Thank you for joining us this week. This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and I'm being joined today by Bob Bunn. Bob works uh, on the commentary, on the adult commentary for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Uh, Bob, you were here uh, two weeks ago when we looked at Ezekiel 11, so thank you for joining us again today. Glad to be back. Uh, We're looking at session four of our winter 2021-22 study of Ezekiel and Daniel. We're going to be taking an excursion away from Ezekiel and Daniel this week uh, because of Christmas. This lesson will be studied the day after Christmas, December 26th, and we look at the wise men and them seeking Jesus. We have this passage of Matthew 2, 1 through 12, uh, divided up into three different uh, points. First is the arrival of verses 1 through 3, the direction in verses 4 through 8, and the discovery in 9 through 12. First of all, the arrival in 1 through 3. After Jesus' birth, wise men from the east followed a star that led them to Jerusalem. Once they arrived, the wise men inquired about the birth of a new king who would rule over the Jews. News of their arrival spread to Herod, who was troubled by this news, and in turn, so was Jerusalem. For us, the main point is that some are seeking God and his salvation, while some are not. In verses 4 through 8, we find Herod gathering Jewish religious leaders, in an effort to find out where the Messiah would be born. The leaders pointed to Micah's prophecy and identified Bethlehem as the promised birthplace. Herod passed this information on to the wise men and requested they report back to him their findings so that he too could worship the king. For us, we can understand that some misunderstand the truth of the gospel, while others want to silence it. Verses 9 through 12, the wise men they head towards bethlehem and the star reappears and leads them to a house where they find jesus the wise men worship jesus presenting him with gold frankincense and myrrh then they return to their home country by a different way because they were warned about herod in a dream the main point for us here is that jesus can be found by those wanting to worship him now bob in in the Christmas story, we it's been so intertwined with myths uh, that we almost miss the real story. Deal with some of the myths that we have almost taken as truth. Sure. Uh, and
1: I think it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to go back even uh, to, to how we kind of got here to celebrate Christmas to begin with. Uh, there's a really great if your if our listeners have access to a Holman and illustrated Bible dictionary. There's a great article in there about Christmas, uh, and part of the part of what that that article uh, shares is that in the in the early days when the church was was being formed, uh, we didn't nece- they didn't necessarily celebrate people's birth. They were more likely to celebrate the time that they died, <laughs> and so there's a lot of celebrations. A lot of, you know, of course, Easter being the the primary one for the church when jesus died in the resurrection and so you know it goes way back but it was it was not for a few hundred years after that that they actually started thinking about well maybe we should celebrate the birth and part of that came from the questions and the controversies surrounding jesus identity who he was and the fact that he was he was he really god uh was there a question of deity there And in an effort to validate and celebrate uh, Jesus coming, the incarnation, um, they began to celebrate his birth. And so in December 25th, just happened to be the day that they that they decided would be a good time to do that, time to do that. And so to me, that was a kind of a fascinating little tweak on that. But over the years since then, we've come up with all these, as you say, traditions and experiences and things. And, and there are those things in, in every family and in every church that it's just not Christmas until we do this, or it's just not Christmas until we see this, or we have to have this certain song sung in the, in the Christmas cantata, or it's not going to be Christmas. Uh, and, and that's okay. There, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I came across a quote from David Platt that I thought was this really kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to this question. Uh, He said that the point of highlighting some of our mistaken Christmas notions is not to take the joy out of the holiday. Instead, we need to face uh, our false notions of these events and our watered-down version of the significance and let them be obliterated by the Word of God. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, let's 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 take the good stuff and keep and hang on to that and let's try to obliterate through scripture uh what we may not need to hang on to or at least acknowledge that that this is not the a real part of the story, the little drummer boys and all that kind of that kind of thing. But as far as what we see in today's passage, there's a couple of them that really stick out. One is the wise men, and they 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 take a lot of brunt uh when it comes to uh criticizing what isn't right and what isn't real uh and it's no fault of their own because they just followed the star and they 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 were looking for the messiah they were looking for someone to worship and they found him and they did and that's a great example for us but we have kind of taken their presence and twisted it and made assumptions and and relied on tradition and and so now we have songs like we three kings and the truth is they probably weren't three of them and they probably weren't they probably weren't kings uh, they were probably astrologers uh, from, from Babylon. Uh, there may have been 40 or 50 of them. There may be 100 of them. They had three gifts and tradition sort of named three of them, but we don't really know how many they were because scripture is silent on that. Um, they, we also had the, the, the image of them, and I know this is a big deal with you, Dwayne, the, uh, the image of them at the nativity scene. And we actually have an object lesson in this lesson. <laughs> the nativity scene is the object lesson. Um, but you know, I, I had a friend who one time said that he he told his wife he wanted to move the wise. They had a big nativity scene in their front yard. He wanted to move the wise men down at the end of the block uh, because that was you know that was more historically accurate than actually having them at the at the at the major. But you know, the truth is that that they weren't there. Um, the shepherds were there, and the shepherds had a different way. Of, of finding the Messiah, God had given them directions um, in a much different way than he gave the wise men. And so they were there that night, but the wise men from, from what scripture tells us came to a house. They didn't come to a manger. They came to a young child. They didn't come to an infant. Um, and so there was probably at least a, a, a year or two uh, of a gap there. And we sort of intellectually know that, but it, it just feels kind of strange not to have the wise men there at the, at the nativity scene, even though we shouldn't. Um, you know, I don't know if you need to move your, your wise men down to the end of the block or not. That's that's, <laughs> a personal, that's a personal preference that I will leave to our listeners to decide. Mm. But, uh, you know, it, we do need to acknowledge that, that there weren't three of them there. They weren't Kings and and they weren't at the manger and, and those kind of things. Um, Again, I think one of the things David Platt says is really good. He says it's the important thing about the wise men is not what we don't know, but what we do know. And what we do know is that they came to worship the Christ child, that they came to acknowledge who he was. And that's, again, that's what we need to focus on as well. Uh, Another thing that we think about sometimes that we kind of get wrong is the star. Um, We don't know what this star was. Um, we, we like to think of it as, as this magnificent, uh, celestial being that's hanging again, hanging over the manger. But if the, if the wise men were following the star, um, it wasn't at the manger either. <laughs> and so, you know, we... So in we fact, this... it
0: took them to Jerusalem first.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. They they ended up starting out in Jerusalem, and then only later did they find out it was Bethlehem. By the time it, the star was over Bethlehem, again, they, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were living in a house, and Jesus was, was a toddler, probably, instead of an infant. And so, you know, Again, you see the Christmas cards and you see the, the holiday specials and all that stuff that have the star over the manger. And it, it, we mean well by it. Uh, we want to acknowledge it's part of the story. And it is, when you think about it, it is an, it is an incredible thing because it, the star was unique enough to catch the attention of, of guys that for their living studied the stars. And so they recognized that there was something unique and that there was something special about this. And to the extent that they were willing to pack their bags, and make a trip of hundreds of miles, maybe even a thousand miles, to make it to to find out what this was all about, and to find out who was at the other end of this star. And so, we don't want to diminish uh, the importance of the star and its leadership any more than we would want to diminish uh, the pillar of fire and the and the cloud of light that that led the the Israelites through the wilderness. Of course, that was the presence of God. And so, you know, God was in this as well. And so. His leadership and his guidance brought them to Jerusalem, brought them into the presence of the Son, and brought him uh, into a situation where they were they were able to worship. And so, we don't want to diminish that, but we also don't want to get so focused on on these these myths or these misinterpretations that we really miss the true thing, that we really miss what's most important, and and that is celebration of the child, celebration of the Son, the incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel.
0: We talk about recognizing Jesus here. Uh, You have a contrast in these verses. Uh, The contrast is between the wise men, Herod, and the religious leaders. Uh, All of them had access to the same information, that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but only the wise men were the ones who actually responded to the information. What kinds of things might get in our way of us recognizing Jesus?
1: That's a great question. One of the things, a couple of things come to my mind. Um, one is that we too often, when we look at Jesus, we, we sort of filter him through what we want to see. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the leaders in Jerusalem who looked into the well and saw their own reflection. But we do it with Jesus as well. We can't define Jesus on our own terms we can't see him as we choose to see him we need to see him as scripture presents him and that was really one of the one of the problems with the religious leaders in jerusalem they had the answers they knew they knew to go to micah (laughs) they knew when herod came and said hey where's the messiah going to be born they had the right answer at their fingertips they knew but they still didn't recognize the significance of it we have no indication that any of those guys got up went to bethlehem to check this out for themselves because they thought that they knew what the messiah was supposed to be they already had him pigeonholed into a certain role into a certain uh, perspective and they couldn't budge from that and and it's very possible i, I don't know there's nothing that says one way or the other but it, it wouldn't be surprising to find out that that some of these same guys were still around 30 years later when it was time for Jesus to be crucified. And they may have been some of the ones leading the chorus that to get rid of him because he had not met the expectations of what they saw the Messiah supposed to be. And so we run that danger. If we don't, if we don't look and see Jesus for who he really is and let scripture define him instead of our own preferences and our own attitudes, then we're going to miss him. We're not going to recognize him. We're not going to see where he's at work. Uh, another thing, and the flip side of that is that the wise men had no preconceived ideas. <laughs> they just knew, Hey, there's a star and there's going to be something really cool at the end of this star, if we can get there. And so they just kept pursuing and kept pursuing and kept pursuing until they, they got what they came for and they worshiped. And so it, it, they were just really, um, they were, they weren't hundred percent sure what they were looking for, but they knew that they were looking for something special. And when it comes to Jesus, that's not really a bad way to think about things. We may not exactly know ex- 100% what he's leading us toward, but if we just keep pursuing him, we're going to find out that the end result it carries a lot more blessing than we could have ever ma- imagined. So one thing that keeps us from recognizing him is letting us have our own way as far as interpreting who he is and what he does. Uh, another thing is that... Um, sometimes I think we, we are scared to admit that the search can be hard. Um, and I I don't mean that it's hard to find Jesus. I just mean that it requires some sacrifice. <laughs> For the wise men, it required packing up their bags if they had camels, getting on their camels, making this long journey, and asking uncomfortable questions uh, when they got to certain places and being willing to do that and being willing to go against the flow. Um, again, the religious leaders weren't willing to do that. They were really comfortable where they are, believing what they believed, and they weren't really ready to shake things up that much in their lives. And if we're really going to recognize Jesus for who he is, we need to realize that the search is going to take a little bit out of us. Uh, It's going to require a little bit something from us. There's a few other things. You look at Herod. Herod didn't recognize Jesus because, number one, he was proud. He was scared. He was actually intimidated by a baby. Uh, this guy who, who was supposed to be the King of the Jews was threatened by the true King of the Jews. And sometimes our pride and our fear can get in the way of seeing Jesus for who he is. Uh, I think the real question comes down to is as we, as we understand that there's going to be obstacles that are going to try to keep us from recognizing Jesus, what are we going to do about that? And maybe that's part of the, the key of this lesson is some folks aren't going to pursue Jesus at all. Um, that's what the religious leaders did. They're just going to be complacent and go on and do their thing. It, 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 do we have that choice? Yes. Do we need to follow that path? No. Some folks are going to react violently, which is what Herod did. Uh, he, was ready to, he was ready to get rid of Jesus completely. And you know, some folks still do that today. On the other hand, the wise men worship Jesus. They sought after him. They kept after it. They kept looking for him until they found him as he really is. And then they worshiped him and they offered everything they offered sacrificially to him. And that's really the example that we need to be, that we need to be following.
0: One of the things that's pointed out in the group plans and in the leader helps in the day the guide is to, to point out the difference in the terms used here. Um, the Wise men use the phrase king of the Jews, while Herod used the phrase Messiah. When he goes to the religious leaders, he said, Where would the Messiah be born? Uh, and what we're in, encouraged to do uh, in the group plans is to ask our group to look at the personal study guide of the comments for verses one through three and the comments for verses four through eight. Uh, in the daily discipleship guide, it's day one and day two. But in those comments, it explains the difference between understanding Jesus as the King of the Jews and why that would have been uh, a phrase that Herod would not have used, and then also understanding that as the Messiah, which is a phrase Herod would have been comfortable using, but also the religious leaders would have understood as well and have that conversation and then from there, we begin to think about the identity of who Christ is and how the Old Testament fulfilled that prophecy. But that points to this one one more thing I want us to think about here, Bob, and that is uh, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. They would have understood the nuances of the phrase King of the Jews versus Messiah. How do we see the, the way Matthew wrote his audience? How do we see... Uh, the, him him uh, writing in such a way so that he connects to them and the things that they would have understood as well um, right. in, in what he's yeah. saying here in Matthew.
1: Yeah, and that King of the Jews is a great example of that. Um, you know, Herod was, was given the title King of the Jews by the Romans. It was bestowed upon him. The wise men made it clear that Jesus, it wasn't bestowed on Jesus. He was born into that role. He was born into that title, King of the Jews. And for a Jewish audience, there was a world of difference. It would have been light years between King of the Jews, the way Herod would have wanted the term to be used, and King of the Jews, the way it referred to the Messiah. Um, They they would have seen it completely differently. And so Matthew, as you pointed out, Matthew's audience was primarily Jewish. Each of the gospel writers had, had unique audiences. Matthew was writing primarily to Jews to convince them that Jesus was the King, the Messiah the one that they had been waiting for for centuries and to this was one of the ways that he did that was by using that term king of the jews and emphasizing that as as identifying jesus as messiah uh, a couple of other things he would he he did along those lines and you see it not only in this story but as you if you read through the gospel of matthew uh, you'll notice that he he relies a lot on old testament prophecy and the fulfillment of old testament prophecy pointing to jesus um, Specifically, the one that comes to comes to mind as you read through these verses is the prophecy where Micah says that the Messiah was going to be born in, in Bethlehem. Um, again, the religious leaders knew that. Uh, some people like to say, well, you know, Jesus kind of manipulated the system and and tried to make things work out the way uh at times to, to where he was sort of self-fulfilling prophecy he had no he had no control over being born in bethlehem <laughs> you know what I mean so that, that this from the very get-go uh matthew is debunking that idea um but yes he was born in bethlehem and it took a god ordained uh as god worked through the li- the leaders of that time as you as you read the the parallel account in luke chapter 2 we see that god was ordaining uh, sovereignly ordaining the, the 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 worldly leaders of that time to bring his his chosen woman Mary to a place where she could deliver his son in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that he had given years ago. And there's a couple other ones in the in the background passages. In in uh, as as Joseph is wrestling with what to do with Mary, uh, God reminds him that this is Emmanuel, uh, God with us, which would have come from Isaiah. And then uh, the after the wise men bugged out and, (laughs) and escaped Herod. And he, you know, he went on his tirade and and what we call the massacre of the innocents where he killed all the two-year-olds and younger in Bethlehem that uh, Matthew ties also to scripture or to, and even later when, when Jesus comes out of, uh, when they go to Egypt and come back, he he points to, I think it's Hosea where he says out of Egypt, I've called my son. And so uh, all these kind of instances where where Matthew is saying, hey, this is where Jesus fulfilled scripture here. This is where Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy here. This is where he did this here. Would have helped Jews understand that maybe there was more to this guy than they really imagined. And on the flip side, one of the things that might have shocked them would have been the presence of the wise men at all. Because when it came to the Messiah, it was a Jewish thing uh, for most Jews. They you know, he was coming to redeem their people. He was coming to set them free. He was coming to do uh, to restore the kingdom of David and to to bring things back the way they used to be in the good old days of Jerusalem. And to have a Gentile involved in that would have been inconceivable to them. But since, since Matthew doesn't give us the, uh, the real birth account of the manger scene with shepherds and you know, there, the first people that these readers would have seen worshiping Jesus would have been Gentiles.
0: Assume the shepherds were Jewish, wouldn't
1: they? Yeah, you would assume because, and, and yeah. some folks say that that they were probably the sheep that they that they were watching over uh, were sacrificial sheep that might have been offered in as part of the Passover uh, mm-hmm. rituals. So they were definitely Jewish, uh, definitely living, you know, in the fields outside of Bethlehem. But these, but Matthew brings immediately introduces this group of Gentiles into the, the mix. And it really it, it might have shocked his readers a little bit and might have caused them to, to do a double take. But it also reminds us that that this is exactly the kind of kingdom God is creating. Uh, he sent the messiah not to not to only redeem a certain group of people, but to open the door for all who would be willing to humbly seek him and turn their hearts to him and worship him. And so the wise men, they're us. <laughs> they're, they're me and you. They're, they're the Gentile folks who have who have acknowledged that Christ actually is the Messiah and that he is our only hope for salvation. And that you know God's kingdom, we talked again, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how God brings is going to bring remnant of, of his people. Well, his people are not going to be just Jewish. His people are going to be anyone who has turned their hearts to him. And that was, that was something that, that uh, Matthew Jewish readers needed to get a handle on if they were really going to understand what God was doing in the world at that
0: time. Yeah, because the main point of this particular study is that God provides salvation to those seeking Him. And the Jewish leaders, they would think they were seeking God, but they weren't seeking His salvation. And so because of that, they ignored the opportunity or they missed the opportunity to see the Messiah as a child, and those that opportunity was given to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so we have to keep that in in mind throughout our study, not just of Matthew, but of Ezekiel and Daniel, that God is bringing about His salvation for all people, and that it and that that comes through faith in Jesus alone. So that's an important thing for us to remember as we're talking to folks on this Sunday, the Sunday after uh, Christmas day and helping them uh, think through even more so and probably more fully uh, the joy of Christmas and that it is about God providing salvation. Bob, thank you for being with us today. I hope you had a good Christmas. Hope you have a good rest of this week. Let me encourage uh, everybody out there to take a look at the blog posts that are found on goatsforthebible.com forward slash blog. These are posted every Thursday. There's a new post that's added each week. And these posts will help you better understand the Explore the Bible resources and the ideas and concepts behind these resources. Once again, that's goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Thank you for listening to us today. And we hope you will encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session five. We'll be looking at Ezekiel 28. And in that study, That particular session, the main idea that we'll be examining is that God offers grace to the humble and brings down the proud.